The Optometry Talks podcast series is brought to you by Optometry New South Wales ACT, your peak professional body. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Optometry Talks, part of our Changing Lanes and Dual Career series. My name's Jingyi, and I'm the chair at ACONA, which is the Early Career Optometrist Committee of Optometry New South Wales ACT. And today I'm joined by Sophie Coe. Sophie is an experienced optometrist and clinical educator with broad involvement in public health, independent, corporate and ophthalmology settings across metro, rural and outback Australia, as well as the Pacific Islands. She is currently the National Professional Services Advisor at Optometry Australia. Sophie is also a professional musician and has overseen strategic and artistic directions of music videos, albums and international tours, including writing and conducting the Optometry Choir's 2020 performance of We Are Here. Welcome, Sophie. Hi. So, Sophie, you've done a lot in optometry. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you currently do? I'm the National uh, Advisor for Optometry Australia, the Peak Body. My role uh, involves day-to-day assistance with uh, members of Optometry Australia across the country, optometrists who need um, support in any clinical, professional, ethical, medical, legal, career advice. And I also work with stakeholders who call us with all sorts of questions as well. We also do advocacy um, and, you know, developing guidelines in the background um, and advice as well, writing emails and, and newsletters, um, keeping track of government announcements, particularly in the, in the time of COVID and communicating those um, news back to the members. So I've been in this job for four years, uh, but my main role is really uh, the Monday to Friday uh, advisor help desk where any member can call me nine to five for advice. Yes, and that's such a valuable service for a lot of our members. And Sophie, you also have an interesting career in that you have a second career as a musician. So are you able to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I've been playing the piano since I was uh, six, maybe five, can't remember. And um, I was interested in uh, music uh, when I uh, moved to from Singapore to New Zealand. I was born in New Zealand, then moved to Singapore, then back to New Zealand. And in New Zealand, I was pretty fortunate to uh, find some amazing piano teachers, but also my state schools that I went to had an amazing music program. So I kept up playing piano, joining the choir, uh, musicals, picked up all sorts of other second instruments, including the cello and trumpet, played drums for a while. When I went to uni, I actually auditioned uh, to the Bachelor of Music course at Melbourne Uni and, and got in. Uh, and I did music and science in parallel at Melbourne Uni uh, for the first year. And then I had a bit of an epiphany that um, being a professional classical pianist was not a career move and decided to go down the science route. And that's when I um, got into optometry. But in the background also, I've also really loved songwriting and, and I was uh, known to be the singer at school and always writing songs and, and formed bands in high school. And so I decided to keep going with that part of my life away from the classical piano vibe but into the more pop music vibe and uh, ended up winning Triple J Unearthed competition um, the first year I was working as an optometrist actually and that was when uh, my career uh, really took off uh, my song was on the radio. 
Wow, that is so impressive. And how did you juggle continuing to pursue your music passion while studying a degree like optometry? It's always been a juggle. Uh, I won't lie. But I've, in many ways, I've done this all my life. I remember at high school in Wellington in New Zealand, I did art, music, chemistry, math, and as well as English, of course. And all along my adult life and uh, teenage life, I've kept the arts and the science together. To me, that feels normal and, in fact, made me a better person and a happier person because I wasn't uh, down one, one road all the time. At times, it can be challenging. Luckily, optometry is a very flexible job, clinically or non-clinically, I guess, and you can dictate the hours. So I would, in the end, do chunk work. So if, if there was a few months where music was very um, busy, I would ask my boss if I could, you know, take six to eight weeks off and then come back. And I've also had very amazing employers in my life. The chicken or the egg, you know, you seek out these places where they support you as a person as well. And it sort of comes back to benefit you as well, be able to, be able to juggle things. Optometry is such a great career to be able to have all the other passions. Yeah, I see. And you were able to make that work for you. So you mentioned before that you changed degrees in your second year. What motivated you to choose optometry? Yeah, I knew I didn't want to cut people open. So I knew I didn't want to be a doctor and I knew I didn't want to be a dentist uh, because my cousin's a dentist and I see what they do. When I was 15, I'll go back a step. When I was 15 in in high school in New Zealand, I, I saw an ad or some TV footage about Fred Hollows working in the outback. And that's when I sort of clicked that I wanted to uh, provide healthcare some, somewhere, somehow in those underprivileged communities. And so even though I auditioned to be a musician to get into the conservatory when I was at, in year 12, I also at the back of my mind knew that I wanted to be in health sciences anyway. So those two thoughts were equal weight in my mind. And my marks weren't good enough to get an optometry the first year out. So I decided to go down the music path and um, ended up changing anyway because my marks were good enough at, at, by the time I was uh, one one year into university. So in the end, my mind has always been, you know, I, I do want to help people in, as a health practitioner in, in some way. And that's where uh, when I decided to, when I was a little bit disillusioned with being a professional pianist, needing to practice four to eight hours a day, um, I decided to, to officially change into science. Yeah, and I certainly think that lots of people would be able to relate in wanting to help others and getting into optometry that way. And Sophia, I know you mentioned that you won the Triple J competition in your first year out, which is really amazing. Were you working as an optometrist at the time or did you pursue music upon graduation? Yeah, so I graduated from Melbourne Uni and um, I really wanted to work in optometry straight away. So I, uh, and the music was sort of brewing in the background. It wasn't, a, you know, a huge career move at that time. So I moved to Darwin. I took up a job with a corporate 
I had done my fourth year externship as part of the Melbourne Uni course in Darwin and in East Timor. And I really loved Northern Australia. And I knew that there's a, there was a lot of work involving working with our First Nations communities. And I loved somewhere tropical and, you know, Darwin's very much um, the Asia of, of Australia. So I moved up there with a job opportunity with a couple of my classmates. Um, I think we increased the number of optometrists in the Northern Territory by 25% because there was three of us. <laughs> so, and then I, actively seeked out a role um, with the Darwin Hospital ophthalmology team who I knew from my internship and he needed the, the, the head doctor at the ophthalmology department needed a um, someone to help him uh, do bush trips and be his assistant. So six months out, I was on a tiny plane going out to remote communities and islands in the top end uh, in, in the deep end pretty much and, and working with, with an ophthalmologist in communities and staying overnight, either driving there or flying there in small planes. So my first year of, as an optometrist as a 23 year old was probably not the, uh, average optometrist graduates, um, environment. And even in my corporate role in Darwin itself, the patient base was very, very wide. And I had to do everything that I was taught. You know, I, I, I remember being taught at uni that I would never see trachoma in my life. And so here's two slides on a, on your ocular disease um, lecture. But within six months, I saw trachoma. So those kind of experiences really um, set me on a good path as a, as a 23 year old graduate. And then that year, Triple J decided to come to Northern Territory to unearth musicians. And at the time, you know, as a 23-year-old, I had so much spare time. And, you know, when you clock off work at 5 o'clock, you're home by 5.20 when you're in a small town. So you could turn up to rehearsals or, you know, hang out with band people. So I formed my first band and uh, ended up winning the radio competition in Darwin. Congrats. That's awesome. I might just go back to something you said earlier about flexibility in the workplace. Some optometrists feel that they have pressure to work full time or they might find it difficult to have time off. What kind of advice would you give to someone who's looking for that kind of flexible work arrangement and how might they get it? That's a very good question. Um, the, The first two years I was working full time, five days a week, sometimes six days. But, you know, I was young and I was in a small town, so I had no travel time. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I can finish work and leave work and be home by 5.30. So that was a great life. But then when I decided to move away from the territory to come back to Melbourne to release my first album, I made a conscious decision that I would never be, I, I won't be a full-time optometrist anymore. So I was happy to, to take a pay cut or, you know, a, a, a less money per year and uh, worked three to four days as an optometrist, maximum four days, sometimes no days. And I seeked out work that was casual or sessional. And I ended up uh, working at the Australian College of Optometry, the ACO, as a sessional optometrist, not on staff, so that if I gave them a six weeks notice, I could be taken off the roster at any time so that, you know, if I had some music projects coming up or tours or or significant other things. So, so I seeked out those roles. Um, and I, I seeked out roles in big teams so that I'm not the one that the practice needs to rely on. Um, but also it's mutually beneficial, you, you know, working in the public health setting like the ACO and as a casual 
you know, you, you are, you are needed, um, you, you needed as a clinical educator, but it goes both ways that they also allowed me the flexibility to be away from the workplace for extended periods of time. So, but the other thing is, is that I made an active decision that I was not going to chase the money in optometry and to, you know, work three, maximum four days a week. And, you know, I did some, some casual locum work here and there, but I did love being with a stable team. And that's why, um, the ACO was a great place and, you know, tick the box with me sort of wanting to work with underprivileged communities as well. Also, I, I've declined work places where the appointment times have been very quick. So, you know, the 20 minute appointment practices, I've never worked in one of those, which I'm, I feel very lucky to say that my job bases have usually been, you know, at least 30 minutes or at the moment, my, my practice that I work at casually has a 50 minute appointment schedule. So it allows me to be happy and healthy. And, you know, if there's incidental things that are emails I need to get back to during the day, which are music related, you know, I have time to do that. Um, it's the constant juggle, but it, balanced. Um, so I guess my advice to other people that are struggling with flexibility, I am in the fortunate position that I took um, a financial decision that I wasn't going to chase a full salary. And I, fl- I flagged that music doesn't bring me money either. Um, so in case you're wondering if the music career sort of is a sustainable one, no, it isn't. So I'm, I'm in a privileged position to say that. I know that many of my friends can't say that because they do need to work the five to six days a week. Mm, that's very good advice. I guess there are some people who have their own creative passions but have that concern of not being able to sustain them full time. For someone who is really eager to pursue their creative passions alongside optometry but might be scared to take that first step, what would you say to them? I say do it. Do it now. Life is short. You know, when, when you're at the end of your life, what are you going to be proud of? Is it, is, are you going to be sad that your creative output hasn't been fully realized? Is it, are you going to be sad that you didn't, you know, do the things that you, um, want to be remembered by? And sure, you know, again, I'm saying this from a privileged position. If you, if you are financially okay, how much money do you need? I think we all need more money than we think we do. <laughs> um, but more importantly, because I do do the creative side and juggle with that, I'm just a happier optometrist. And often I talk to new optoms or graduates who feeling the pressure. And my advice, well, one of my advice is, is what else do you like to do? Maybe just take half a half day off to start with um, or a full day. You, you, no one says you have to be full time and no one says that you have to be with the same employer. So if you're unhappy with one workplace, you could think about changing your work environment. So you, you divide your environment up between several workplaces, which is what I did. I did one or two days at the ACO in public health and a big team with lots of people running around and helping being able to answer your questions. And then two days with corporate in, in Melbourne when I came back, uh, max, you know, one or two days. And then I, I ended up doing one week stints back with in the Northern Territory as part of their uh, remote teams fly and fly out once or twice a year. And that the change in settings um, helped me to be a happier clinician. But yeah, I, back to the first thing that I said, I think you need to reflect on at the end of your life, what do you want to be remembered by? Yes, that's really true. 
it's definitely something important to think about and consider. And Sophie, how did you transition from doing music and clinical optometry into your current role at Optometry Australia? Yeah, great question. I was actually tapped on the shoulder um, when when the job opportunity came up. Um, somebody said that I should go for it. <laughs> and I had no idea what the role was about, to be honest. And it's funny that I didn't know when I went for it, but I knew that it was going to be interesting. And, you know, every couple of years I, I reassess just your gut instinct. You, you go for things. And um, I, I have a tendency to say yes to things before I know what it's about. And I call it, I, I don't know whether the listeners will understand the imposter syndrome, you know, saying that you can do something when you before you actually know that you can do it. <laughs> I think that's, that's true of, of many of us. And I've done that a lot in my life. And then you freak out afterwards thinking, oh, my God, can I actually do this? So that's a personality thing that that I have and I was tapped on the shoulder and when I went into the interview process, I quickly realised that a lot of the role is to do with communication and dealing with people, uh, mentoring role, but also a lot of public speaking and, and media and communications and just having that kind of EQ to be able to help people, which we have being an optometrist anyway, but I actually tagged my, I handed in my optometry CV to get my job at OA, but I also at the underneath put my music CV in thinking that it may or may not have transferable things that the interviewers might, might find interesting. And I think it did because it talked about, you know, me being comfortable on stage, public speaking, um, working in big teams, you know, with bands and, and project managing albums and artwork and tours, all those kind of skill sets has been transferable to this role. Yeah, I have no doubt that the music career and skills that you have would have helped with the job. Speaking of your music career, can you tell us a bit more about what you've been working on, what kind of music it is and where we can find it? Yeah, this is the fun part. (laughs) So I, like I said, I'm a classically trained piano player that uh, went into playing pop music. So when I was in New Zealand, I formed my band uh, as, a, as, a, as a teenager and then entered a uh, talent contest called Starstruck on Channel 9 and I won a $10,000 prize to, to, to make my first demo CD and a couple of years later, I, I won the Triple J Unearthed radio competition. Um, so since then, I have released four albums. It was all independently produced. I sort of managed the artwork and the people, the contractors involved uh, it's all the songs that I've written and my latest album is called Book of Songs, which is a album based on Chinese poetry influenced by pop music and my love of Western classical music like Bella Bartok and Beethoven. So it's a real mix of things and it's played on cello, viola and piano. I'm on the piano and it's essentially a pop album of songs. Um and I really wanted to have my ethnicity um, front and centre on this latest album. In the past 20 years, the four albums have been, I guess, independently produced. So I raised money for it. I had a crowdfunding campaign uh, in 2016 where I got, you know, nearly 15 grand of support to make the album. I have a band. I have two bands, actually, one a pop band, uh, which is, you know, with drums and bass. And I also have a string trio where we play the Book of Songs uh, from that. So we can play pubs or home home concerts. We do some of those and obviously recital centres and festivals. My most recent adventure is in Cabaret. 
I was tapped on the shoulder again uh, when a show called Shanghai Mimi, uh, the producers wanted to find a, a Mandarin-speaking Australian female artist who could be the lead in a p- proposed uh, cabaret show, show called Shanghai Mimi where they visit the jazz music of 1920s and 30s Shanghai when Shanghai was the, the leading uh, jazz centre of the world and all the traditional songs that were from the clubs and pubs there. And I auditioned for it, not having acted or done cabaret in my life or even walked in high heels in my life and got it. And so since then, that was two years ago, I've been part of a jazz band where we play uh, jazz traditionals and music from those two decades. Wow, that's incredible. Must keep you busy. I know that I've listened to Sophie's music on Spotify and it's really amazing. If you haven't listened already, make sure you check it out. Sophie, I know you also did a collaboration in 2020 for Optometry Australia. You made a music video with a bunch of creative optoms. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, my, My boss at OA said, you know, everyone's a bit down and out. The pandemic's happening. What, what can we do that's super fun? And pretty much tapped me on the shoulder and said, what do you think we should do that's fun? Um, and had the idea of uh, writing a song together or potentially doing a video because there was a lot of choirs getting together during the pandemic doing online stuff. So I was given you know seven or eight weeks and had to write a song influenced by members of OA, uh, submitting lyrics and ideas and imagery. Went away with my friend, Robin Waters, uh, who's a, a prominent musician, and wrote a song based on uh, the Optom's feedback and then got whoever wanted to record themselves mime to the song or sing to it on video. And uh, We Are Here is uh, – I can't actually believe that we actually did that. Um, it, was a, it's a, it was a huge task. Yeah, and I think that it was absolutely amazing and really got to showcase the talent that we have in our profession So, Sophie, I know you touched on this earlier, but what are some take-home messages or key points that you would give to someone who is looking to step outside of conventional optometry or looking to pursue a dual career? I think those people that are asking that question probably already have a passion or interest that they really, really deeply care about that's not optometry. My advice would be to lean into that and you are in a very fortunate position to have a, a stable, excellent job, which can be flexible, contrary to what some people may think, and allow time for it. You can have a dual career or multiple careers if you wanted to, and also strategically wise uh, when one one may not be um, happening or dries out, you know, it can, the ebbs and flows. Uh, you have, you know, two things up your sleeve and not just one. Many of my colleagues and friends have, have changed careers or, or have sort of toyed with the idea and studying other things while working as an optometrist. And that's fantastic. And there's nothing, uh, should be holding you back from taking, you know, next step with extra study, doing an, another field or something creative or sports related. Or, you know, if you want to be an amazing cook or, um, want to, you know, take time off to be a parent instead of, working full time or if you're really great at you know playing a particular sports or creatively you want to write a book it's all the world's your oyster you just kind of have to just realize that it's okay to do it and allow time and negotiate with your employer 
that's you, you can step back one or two days to do something or, you know, like I said, change up your, your, your work scene and, and try different things. Look out for jobs, you know, get on, get on the social media with, you know, OA and, and your state divisions. If you're interested in remote and outreach optometry, there's a lot of work in that area. You, you may not know that. Um, it's, it's not, not all volunteer work. Uh, often it is paid. Seek out those newsletters, sign up to them. Um, Brian Holden Vision Institute, you know, Lions Outback, all, all sorts of things. And it's about network. So once you know one or two people that are interested in this other dimension of optometry, you'll be sort of led into this whole information uh, world of the other things that an optometrist can do. And just bear in mind that, you know, optometrists have a basic science degree that is transferable to many, many other things. You can be a manager of a health clinic or you can be a science writer if you're really um, amazing at communication and writing. So it is a, a degree that the world's your oyster, really. Yeah, definitely. And I feel really inspired after having this chat to you today, Sophie, and I'm sure listeners will be too. We've really loved hearing about how you've thrived in both the optometry and the music world and really looking forward to seeing what your career brings next. And I really appreciate all of the tips and advice that you gave, especially when it comes to really considering what we want to do with our careers and not being afraid to take that next step. So thank you again so much, Sophie. And thank you for listening to this episode of Optometry Talks. We have multiple interviews in this career series, so make sure to check them out. And if you're looking to explore more career options, the Optometry Australia Mentoring Program is a really great way to connect to someone and start your journey. You can register as a mentor or a mentee or both, and it's really easy to sign up. You just have to head to the OA website for more details. And if you'd like any further help, the team at Optometry New South Wales ACT is always there. Feel free to give us a call at our office at 9712-2199 or send us a message via email or social media. Thanks again so much, Sophie, for joining us today for this episode of Optometry Talks and we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye. This episode of Optometry Talks was brought to you compliments of Optometry New South Wales ACT. 